What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Action Ignited podcast, the podcast to help you ignite your action in far more than just health and wellness. Join your co-hosts, Ism Hadahad and Jason Hogarth, as we dive into our first mailbag episode. All that means is we've been wanting and calling in some questions. These questions come from our episode on Mythbusters. It's our second Mythbuster episode. Um, so please, if you haven't already, uh, refer back, take a listen, let us know if you have any additional questions. And then we will put in the show notes an email address for you to send out some more questions. Because if you have any questions as far as what we covered or anything additional, please feel free to send them in and we would love to answer them and see where the conversation goes. So as always, how I like to say, let's kick this thing off. First question that came up. I know you guys talked about the cost of eating healthy and was wondering when you have two people trying to create a better diet that live in the same household, how do you account for the difference in dietary needs? For example, if one person needs high protein while the other needs lower carbs. I can take it from my experience. It's slightly different than like the high protein, high carbs, but it is something because I think where this comes rooted from is probably where we were talking about how it's not or eating healthy isn't expensive. But when yes. you're trying to fit two different um, dietary lifestyles, maybe that does change things. So um for me and Megan, we eat two separate ways of, I don't really have any like strict dietary restrictions. It's just eating within the macros that I set for myself. Um, Megan typically eating gluten-free like 90% of the time. So that is the like main difference for us. Honestly, at first I was really adverse to even like trying a lot of that stuff just because I was like, why do I, why do I want to cut it out if I don't have to? But most of the time, like there's actually really good alternatives out there. So like for me, I just started to eat some of those things that Megan's already making. It just makes it easier for us to do it that way. On the flip side, when it comes to your, your macros, I think it actually fits in kind of well to when you're trying to build a healthy, balanced diet. If one person in this situation needs more carbs and one needs more protein, that will naturally help you eat all the food that you're buying regardless. So if you're buying a pack of chicken, the person that needs more protein gets a larger quantity of the chicken. So if there's two chicken breasts, maybe you get one and I don't know, a half, for example. And the person that needs more carbs is going to get more of the rice that's on the plate or the pasta than the person that doesn't need as many carbs. So I think it's more about instead of like plating your meals so they look identical, you plate it to fit the macros that you both need. So if someone needs more protein, that plate will look like it has more meat on it. If one person needs more carbs, then you're going to have your more carb sources on that plate. I know like me and Megan, when we cook dinner, typically our plates look identical and then she'll push her plate over to me when I'm done. And that's, that's my biggest, um, what is it? My biggest temptation when um, I'm trying to stay within a, a diet is when Megan doesn't finish her food. She she throws it at me. She doesn't do me many favors. The winds of having a partner is just like, okay, don't eat any more food. I'll eat it. It's like the yeah, best when, when I was younger, it was great because I would just burn it all off. But now I got to now I got to be smart about it. <laughs> it's like, are you bulking now? Or are you cutting? Okay, I can't have yeah. any more of this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Dude, I love what to is, share just because... I in a coaching at, and I'll share my personal thing, but I want to go right into the coaching aspect of it. 
exactly what you said is pretty much what I've, in my experience, have been telling clients in a sense of the plate should never really look the same just because there's different demands of a, a man and a woman, or let's just say you have a roommate, same sex, like usually the portions are going to be a little different. So it depends what your goal is. And it could be as simple as just portion control. Hey, you know, for your portion, you can have a little bit more higher uh, protein, you can have a little bit more fat, whatever the case, tailoring it to yourself will help um, and that will also make it not non-restrictive unless again somebody needs like in your case megan may need some gluten-free options maybe you don't want to do that for some of your meals you don't have to by any means um, do the same thing but it also opens up communication so like there's a holistic approach to it where like it could help communication um, but when it comes to nutrition specifically you can best match it to your own macros. And then if you aren't tracking, it's all about the portions. You just know, give or take, you need a little bit more protein, portion out a little bit more for yourself and anything else different, um, you know, work off that. Now, for myself and Monica, we essentially will have two two separate meals, one joint meal, meaning we'll have dinners together and it just works out for our lifestyle. We can have dinner at the same time based off of, you know, she's home prepping dinner. I'm still at work. I'll get home. We'll eat together. Breakfast and lunch, we're just on our own. We're not home together. So like mine's typically uh, on the go type of breakfast has to be something pretty quick. I'll do that. I'll get out the door. Then I have morning snacks along the way. And then my lunch is uh, meal prep by myself. And then we meet up. Um, so I knew the personally that worked because if we're only having one meal together we would do the same approach that like you mentioned for you and megan we'll just control the portions but other than that like my demand is so much higher during the day based off my like profession how much i'm on my feet so if anybody out there has different profession also just tailor it to yourself like let's just say one person works from home and then you're on your feet doing construction or a nurse or a police officer etc that requires more demand pack more with you um, that way it makes it easier for both ends um, and i think as far as my end those were the biggest shares i'm just skimming through some notes now too yeah, I think a lot of it, it's like, it comes back to the the planning of everything. Like for you guys, you have your way where you share your dinner and then everything else is on your own. And like for me and Megan, we started doing HelloFresh a while back. So now we recommend it's that. picking what meals are going to be for dinner, which day, because like their macro splits are wildly, could be wildly different between each meal that you're going to eat. Mm -hmm. So it's like, setting yourself up early in the week to say, okay, this is what I need to eat for breakfast and lunch to hit my calories, to hit my macros, knowing what's going to be coming for dinner already too. So that would be the other thing is like just planning ahead. You could meal prep if you want, not everyone needs to, or wants to, mm -hmm. um, if you have the time to cook your breakfast, cook your, um, or make slash cook your lunch, whichever, you know, depending on what you're eating, but, um, meal prepping always helps because it just makes it a little bit easier on you. I know for me, I always like to have lunch meal prepped more than anything else, because like midday, I just, if it's not ready, I won't take the time to make something and I'll just like skip it, so. Good, and then it turns out to like ordering out and stuff. So I like yes. meal prep takes away, you don't have to guess like, what am I gonna eat? Especially when you're short on time. Cause I, I'm guilty of it. Like, and may, maybe even if I pick something that's relatively quote unquote healthy, 
it's like I'm still ordering out. I don't know what kind of oils they're putting. I'm more tempted to get some junk food as a snack or whatever the case. So the more you prep, the better. Um, but we share that also to your point, like you don't necessarily have to do it. Again, I brought up tracking. We talked about it a little bit. You don't have to do the tracking, but you'll tailor it um, towards what works for you. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to add for that one? No, I think those are the the big things. Yeah, plan ahead, yeah. communication, and then keep the uh, keep the portions correct for each person. I think it's just natural for us to do that. Like, yeah, when whoever's making dinner, when you plate it, you don't think like, let me put one chicken breast here and one here. That's like the natural thing to do. It's not let me cut a little like fourth off of this one and put it on my plate and give them a scoop of my rice so it fits both of us. Like you just don't think like that normally. So yeah. oh, it's a simple fun. thing, but for good, sure, good change. Boom. All right, guys. So next one we got, how do you feel the food quality plays into a healthy diet? Ex our example, organic grass fed versus non. I typically will just buy like... Uh, what's it called? Normal, regular, not yep. the organic, not the grass fed. Um, I don't really put too much weight into it. Um, it's more like the, the process versus on processed foods is where I put my focus, um, making sure that I'm trying to eat cleaner. Like I still eat some processed foods, but like trying to limit that where I can is my main focus. I've never put a lot of weight in like the organic and grass fed side personally. Um, so I just don't have a lot of experience with it. I think as long as you're aware of what you're putting into your body from that perspective, it's like, that's what you should go with. But I just try to focus on the easy things for me is like focusing on the on processed foods, eating as healthy as I can without overcomplicating it for myself to where it almost puts an additional barrier up to me eating healthier. Yeah. No, I, I think the the thing that stood out was it's the quality of food. So like we we can go organic and non-organic, but as long as you have balance there and it's the low uh, saturated fats, it's not a lot of trans fats, not a lot of fried foods, like you limit those things, it'll last you a lot or go a lot longer or it lasts longer in the long run um, because you're not overcomplicating the process. The Quickest way to not stay consistent is to overcomplicate the process because your brain is telling you, I don't want to do this anymore. And then what ends up happening is we just stop no matter what it is. So a few notes that I took, um, typically this is the big difference between organic and, and non-organic. Organic's usually pricier. And the reason being that the price is higher is sometimes they're labeled organic and all that really means is they're being made without using synthetic chemicals, such as like the pesticides and artificial um, fertilizers, which those things sometimes allow food to last longer. So that's why organic sometimes could be better. Um, but I think if you just have a consistent, well-balanced meal for all meals and it includes some fresh vegetables, um, some fruit. Oh, you know, the greens and then a good source of protein, some good carbs and grains and all of those things that you, you hear us say, you'll be okay. Um, at the end of the day, if it's whether it's organic or not, it's kind of your preference. If you really want to make sure that like, you know, your food hasn't been punctured with extra additions and pesticides and whatnot, go organic. It's kind of personal preference. And then let me see, I think I took one more note. 
No, that's pretty much it. I wanted to just really emphasize the balance of meals, you know, have your greens, low saturated fats. Um, but other than that, long story short, I don't really see a huge, huge difference. I don't put a lot of thought into it too, because, you know, even when we were going through that myth of um, eating healthy doesn't have to be expensive. I think some of these things are how people start to get that perception um, because they think, oh, well, if I'm going to eat healthy, I have to go organic or grass fed or whatever it is. And that starts to run up the cost even more per item, per pound, et cetera, if it's meat. So that's it's if that's what you want, it's fine. You can do it. And if that fits within your budget, go for it. But if it doesn't and your option is to get non-organic um, fruits and things like that, like it's fine too. All right. So last and final question. I like this one. Would you say that energy drinks pre-workout could have the same, if not more harmful effects than a somewhat unhealthy diet? It's hmm. a tough one because it depends what it depends. What they mean by somewhat unhealthy <laughs> diet. Because somewhat unhealthy is a, a subjective term. Um I think overall. Uh, long term, if you had an unhealthy diet, that would be more detrimental than an energy drink. But it also depends on the quantity of energy drinks you have a day. Um, how much coffee do you drink coffee and then you drink a Red Bull in the afternoon and then something else at, at another point that has a bunch of caffeine, sugar, stuff like that. So um, I think a lot of it is it depends. Um, there are see, I love energy drinks and pre-workouts. So like I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say, don't ever do it. But there are a lot of negative things to it that that come with it um, can mess with your sleep. If you're drinking caffeine too late into the night, um, if you're drinking large quantity, I mean, I think we we've talked about it. I took pre-workout like I think it was in high school and it was some crazy pre-workout that I probably shouldn't have been taking at the time. But it's like made my eye twitch and stuff like that. It's like you feel jittery. So like there's negative effects to it if you're getting like overstimulated from it um too that you should factor in hard to say if it's better or worse than an unhealthy diet just it depends what you mean by somewhat unhealthy um i would lean that like one energy drink a day is probably better for you than an unhealthy diet but it just depends what else is in your diet do you consider a coffee in the morning part of like the energy drink category because you should um so yeah, there's a lot of variance to it, I would say, but everything in moderation, I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, there really is a lot of it depends because we can be somebody who, okay, let's say Monday through Thursday, we eat healthy and then Friday through the weekend, we don't eat that great. And then on top of that, we're, let's say 500 milligrams of caffeine a day. In that case, we're kind of, excuse me, but we're shot in all cylinders because mm -hmm. we're losing the entire week based off the weekend. And then odds are, if you're having more than 400 milligrams of caffeine a day, you may be experiencing jitters, uh, high anxiety, it's probably hard to sit still and be calm when when times are are fast and sped up. You may find some things like I know some individuals like myself, if I have really high caffeine, I'm running to the bathroom and having to pee consistently. So like there's a lot of inconvenience or inconvenience either way to that. Um, so those are some things. I think that when it comes to pre-workout and energy drinks, 
it's just watching the sugar intake with them. Again, how Jason said, how much caffeine are you taking? I was sharing this conversation with Jason. I've coached, you know, individuals that are early to mid twenties, like, like us and, and even older adults, typically the younger adults like us are taking more caffeine. And I had an individual and he was taking, uh, or, drinking like two bang energy drinks i believe it was like two a day and then having like a pre-workout for his workout and i want to say bang is i think it's easily over two if not 300 milligrams so it's like 600 milligrams of caffeine there and let's just say he has a small coffee i think it's another 80 to 100 it's just way too much and then there was direct correlation to my mind is thinking too quick. My heart rate's elevated throughout the day. What should I do? Um, and if you're somebody who does that, one, just take a step back and just eliminate one of them. You don't have to go crazy, completely cut it. But like maybe that cup of coffee, you can cut it for now or, or even better, cut one of the bangs. Uh, so watch your sugar and your caffeine intake because there are some side effects there. Um, keep a balanced nutritional lifestyle, or if you want to call it diet, stay balanced there. Um, but to like answer this question, like I'm going to look over the question one more time. Would you say it could have the same, if not harmful? Again, it's tough for us to just say like, it depends, but looking at this question again, it does depend. It depends how much caffeine, how much sugar is in that caffeine and the pre-workout, what other ingredients you have in there. And then when it comes to nutrition, it's the long run of it. So if there's a lot of high um, saturated fats, a lot of fried food, and you're doing that consistently for a period of time, there is consequences that'll, that'll be experienced there. So just try to keep your balance there. Yeah. I think the the simple answer is both can be detrimental to you in large quantities, like an energy drink here. There's not going to, not going to cause major problems. Um, if it's that consistent, like two bangs a day plus coffee in the morning. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, like the unhealthy diet, I think just to take this a slightly different, um, way. And I don't know what your perception is on this between the cheat day versus cheat meal Mm -hmm. and what you prefer. I know everyone talks about it slightly different. Um, I've, I used to be a big fan of cheat day until you realize how quickly that math equation can ruin a whole week of progress. Um, Cause it's like, if you're in a 500 calorie deficit for six days out of the week, and then you cheat on like the seventh day, then all it takes is 3000 calories to wipe that out, which like over the course of a day is pretty easy to do. If you're like drinking, eating a bunch of like processed bad foods, pizza, wings, that drinking some beer, stuff like that. Um, it adds up quick and you could end up in a significant surplus just in one day. That'll wipe out a whole week of, of good work. So like something to, to keep in mind. Um, I used to be a fan of the day I've switched it to a meal cause it's, I mean, I guess you probably could ruin it in one meal, but I think it'd be very hard to do. And your body probably wouldn't process enough of it. So, you know, it's very well said. And the only I'm going to add value to that by sharing some data. So when it comes to our group training that um, the director of in person, we looked at the summer months. So it's a three month window. And the out of close out of close to 30 individuals, right before August, we saw a slight muscle increase, a little bit of body fat um, dropping, uh, just under like 10 pounds of increase in muscle, just about, you know, under, or yeah, just about 10 pounds fat decrease, whatever the, the numbers weren't super great. So we compare them to now and the summer, 
And I want to highlight the summer and spend some time on it because so not a big increase there. When we got into August, it was one of the worst correlations and worst data that we've collected. Um, the numbers went in the negative both ways. So we lost uh, some muscle mass. We weren't recovering well. Um, we saw body fat percentage and fat mass increase. And the common theme was a lot of individuals were going out on beach trips a lot more. They were going out for uh, summer weekends. And when we kind of like lifestyle assess, hey, how is your weekend? So you, I know you went out, what'd you do? The common theme was, Hey, I had two big meals, I drank, and then and when I got hungry, I ate again. So what pretty much happened was all the work that was done in the week was gone because in the day, there was no quote-unquote cheat meal, and there was no like enjoying your meal. It was more of like, okay, I have the entire day. It's just one day. But the summer is easy to turn it into two. Even more important, in the summer, we're on the go all the time. We're in the sun. We think we're sweating. We think we're walking a lot. Now, the metabolism is going to slow down a bit if you're not meet, meeting your calorie intake. So what would happen is somebody has a big brunch meal, they'll skip breakfast, just combine both, have a big meal. Let's just say that one's like 600 calories. And this person needs, I don't know, um, let's say 1500 or let's say, eight, let's say, uh, let's use different numbers. Let's say uh, 900 calorie meal. It's a big meal. They need 1800 calories for the day. They skip everything in the middle drink heavily, eat again at dinner, odds are dinner, they're going to hit their 18 there. They like double their calories by going over 9,000 on your dinner and lunch combined. You do that for two days in a row, you offset everything you did in the week. And then you do that consistently for four weeks, all of August, that was what we saw. Versus now, summer months slowed down a bit. Everybody had more control around their time. We like tripled our results just based off timing of the year. And it was like really, really crazy to see. And that was just an example of, you know, timing the meal. Hey, did you just enjoy one meal? No, it turned into one meal I enjoyed. I'm going to do another one. And it turned into a full weekend. And it offset literally five days of work. In some cases, four days of work. Because we know summer is Friday through uh, yeah. Sunday weekend. <laughs> Yeah, don't forget about that Thursday happy hour also. And that one too. So in that, yeah. it, gets, it gets a little wild. It gets a little wild. Yep, yep. So while we might not have a great answer on uh, what's worse between the two, uh, there can be detriments to both just by overindulging in, in one or the other um, between the energy drink or a, I think a cheat day would be what most people or enough people would consider a somewhat healthy diet or unhealthy diet of like having one day or two days. Um, so depending on how far outside of moderation you go, um, it can basically take away all progress or even send you back into the, into the negative, um, like they saw. Yeah, it was definitely a change. And, uh, I think, again, to just answer your question, I think it is better to have a meal that you enjoy versus the full day. Um, again, we're going to bring up, I'll bring up the word balance, find balance within all this. We don't want this whole lifestyle approach to feel strict. So whether it was answering any of these questions or any of the past episodes, when it comes to direct action, just find balance in everything that you're doing. Perfect. And I think that'll do it for our first mailbag episode here today. So as is mentioned at the top, we will have an email in the show notes. So if you have any questions um, on really any of our episodes or maybe a topic that we haven't covered that you would like to hear us talk about, feel free to send us questions and we'll make sure to get those on our next mailbag episode. Um, so with that, that'll do it for this episode of Action Ignited. 
Just remember everything that you are going through, any questions that you do have, they're not uncommon. If you're thinking of it, there's a really high chance that someone else is too. Um, we see it all the time that it's just consistent themes. Um, so we're just going to continue to learn together, grow together. And until next time, stay ignited.